Support for this podcast is provided by That Cast Creative. Brand your business and connect with your audience by creating a custom podcast. Learn more at thatcast.com. Want to advertise on this podcast or one like it and reach a targeted and engaged audience? Go to thatcast.com to start reaching our audience. ThatCast Network presents The Beaver Buzz, a look inside Oregon State Athletics with your host, Bob Lundeberg. Welcome, everybody, to the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast podcast network. This is your host, Bob Lundeberg. And hey, it's officially regional week here in Corvallis. For the third straight year, Oregon State is hosting a regional at Goss Stadium, despite a, well, you know, relatively uninspiring close to the regular season. As most of you probably know, the Beavers dropped two of three against USC, but we're still given one of the 16 regional host sites. And uh, actually, as a matter of fact, the Beavers were uh, 16 out of 16. Cut that one pretty close considering the bit, bit of a shaky end to the regular season. But hey, it's still a home regional. And I know Pat Bailing, the team, is stoked to get this thing going. Uh, everything's going to all start Friday with number three seed Michigan from the Big Ten taking on number two seed Creighton, the regular season and Big East tournament champion. That game will uh, start at 1 p.m. over at Goss Stadium. Host Oregon State will then play number four seed Cincinnati, which won the American Athletic Conference tournament at 7 p.m. at night. Uh, regionals are double elimination format. The winner of all 16 of these regionals will then advance to the super regionals. Uh, Oregon State won home regionals and super regionals each of the last two years to get to the College World Series. This time around, the Beavers are, are matched up with top seeded UCLA and would have to likely go on the road if the Beavers were to win a regional. And quite frankly, the matchup with Oregon State and UCLA two Pac-12 rivals that was a that was in the super regionals that, that was a bit of a controversial decision by the NCAA selection committee and kind of to come in here and talk about that decision plus a whole bunch of other things um, just a, you know a bunch from from the regular season and also looking into the postseason friend of the program Steve Gress from the Corvallis Gazette Times and Almond Democrat Herald is going to come on the show we were both at the selection show watch party over at Research Stadium on Monday and we were both also at Oregon State's weekly availability on Tuesday just to kind of get a feel for where everyone's at as the Beavers try to refocus now looking ahead to the postseason before I do bring Steve on I just wanted to remind all of you guys out there again the Beaver Buzz podcast is part of the that cast podcast network here's my weekly plug to please subscribe rate and review seriously everyone it it really does help out and thanks so much for the the feedback I've been getting primarily through Twitter it it really is good to know that some of you guys out there are uh, are enjoying the show and the content we've been producing and the content we've had a lot of fun producing so far so thanks for reaching out keep reaching out to me on Twitter I try to respond to as many people as I can as long as the the as long as the tweets I receive are mostly productive all right then it's uh time for us to take a quick break here and then Steve and I will get down to business on this regional it's going to be a fun, fun, really busy week over there at Goss Stadium. Price Financial Group Wealth Management. Navigating through today's financial investment world can seem pretty scary. Now, here's the good news. Chuck Price, president of Price Financial Group Wealth Management, introduces a new revolutionary concept that will change how you invest now and in the future. It's called Asset Lock. Asset Lock monitors your investment accounts 24-7, 365, and alerts you when action needs to be taken. And now, Chuck Price offers Asset Lock 
At Price Financial Group Wealth Management, we believe all our clients deserve to have Asset Lock monitoring their accounts. So call Chuck today or online at pfgwm.com and learn how you can get Asset Lock on your accounts today for free. Price Financial Group Wealth Management, because the smart investor knows what you don't know can hurt you. Simplify. Call 503-253-3000. That's 503-253-3000. Anna Canzano hosts That Expert Show, the show you help run. Hear the top experts on a variety of topics interviewed by a top journalist. Find That Expert Show and other shows on the ThatCast Network. Visit thatcast.com. From Guild Coliseum to Research Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. All right, well, we are back with our special postseason edition of the Beaver Buzz podcast. Uh, all last week, I, I was quite confident that Oregon State was going to be awarded a home regional. Basically, I think no matter what really happened in that USC series, and kind of as a matter of fact, I was actually so confident that I put together like a 700-plus word story just ahead of time with a bunch of quotes I'd gathered from players throughout the week about how great it is playing at Goss Stadium you know, for regionals. And you know, I actually, too, I, I just to try to get a rare day off at the end of baseball season. I was over at the coast when the announcements were made. So I felt pretty good about uh, Oregon State's chances, regardless of what happened in the USC series. I, I know, Steve, I guess let's kind of start with this then. What was your confidence level that Oregon State was going to be awarded a home regional, against, uh, considering what you saw against USC? Because I felt like you maybe weren't quite as sure that the Beavers were going to get one as I was. Well, I mean, I don't know if I was quite as sure. I mean, I thought if they could get one win out of there, you know, you talk about uh, the hard part is you, you look at body of work for an entire season and, you know, you were giving me all these numbers and the only number that, that said they might not would be the RPI. And it's interesting because we're not sitting in that selection committee room trying to figure out what they put the most value on. And I, it's an interesting thing. I don't know if they looked at RPI so much in some cases and maybe in others they did. So it'd be really interesting. I would love one day to be a fly on the wall, especially in the baseball one. I think, you know, with the men's basketball, women's basketball, I think most of it's pretty clear cut. You're, you're aren't, there aren't too many surprises or you're not sure about um, – you know where, and, and I know they seed those completely differently than they do the baseball and even the softball tournaments in, in some regards. So um, when they got the win on Saturday, uh, the one game I did not cover, so maybe I shouldn't cover any baseball games. <laughs> yeah, you're this banned weekend. from, banned from so Goss Stadium for I, the week. Right, I'll cover the non-Oregon State games, and you know, go that way. So maybe that'll bring us up because they didn't score any runs when I was there. <laughs> but when they got that that win on on Saturday, Saturday no, or Friday. on Friday, Friday, sorry, the mid game down on Friday, you know, I felt fairly confident they were going to be a host, um, you know, and looking at D one baseball and even baseball America, some, you know, they had them in that 11 to 14 range, you know, even at that point. So I'm thinking, you know, body of work, you know, you finished third in this conference and, um, you know, some, some decent wins throughout there. And, and, and so you go like, all right, they're, they're going to host. I was honestly a bit surprised that they were 16 and I bet they probably could have been 15 or so, but I think that they probably did, which we'll probably dive into a little bit later matchups of conference teams yeah. and supers, whether you like it or not. I think that's one of the things that makes a lot more sense from a travel standpoint, but probably more on that later. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I felt once they got that win on Friday, the, the second game, even it up that they were going to get in and be a host school, because, you know, there were a lot of other schools that were losing that were in that range, too. So, um, 
So that's how I felt. Yeah, I mean, the 16 seed is the part that I just found really interesting because I, I know I tweeted this out and just going in, I was really confused about how the selection committee was going to seed Oregon State. And, and because depending on what metric you looked at, Oregon State either could have been as high as like the ninth or 10th seed or could have not been a host at all because in terms of RPI, like you mentioned, the Beavers were 20th, which is for a West Coast team is usually okay, but still by no means. I, our RPI was hurting Oregon State a lot. But just going through and looking at a lot of the other metrics, 16-9 and record against the top 50. That is far better than uh, West Virginia, Stanford, um, I mean, Oklahoma State, honestly. Uh, well, Ole Miss has – there's a thing. Ole Miss has a lot of Q1 wins. Ole Miss is low in the RPI. Ole Miss also finished really poorly in the SEC. So when you go into it and you see that Oregon State, which has a lot of strong metrics in terms of the quality wins, the record against the quality competition, you also look at Oregon State's number eight non-conference strength of schedule, that in terms of those bottom-tier hosts by far the best i'm not sure how the committee landed on 16 because it's just like why was ole miss which seems to have a very similar resume to oregon state but weaker in literally everything why is ole miss 12 and then oregon state it just i don't know it's I, I just i don't understand how we arrived at this point here's what i would say ole miss made a run to the championship game of the sec tournament so what have you done for me lately might have played a little bit more of a role in there what did oregon state finish they were five and eight in their last 13 so may i'm just saying maybe i don't know that's yeah. the human element of some of this as you look at um those type of things. I mean, the same thing we talked about in women's basketball, how Oregon State kind of struggled, if you would, down the stretch. Of course, they played the most difficult part of any any Pac-12 schedule yeah. that I've seen in eight years covering the program. That's one reason why they, quote-unquote, struggled. You know, and they, they, they snuck in there with the number four, you know, seed to host. Because people were wondering the same thing mm -hmm. about Oregon State. Is oh, is that lost to Washington in the Pac-12 tournament going to knock them out of hosting? And, of course, everybody, you know, falls off the you know cliff because something bad happens. Oh, they're not going to host. I think the same thing happened to, you know, the fan base for the baseball team like that. Oh, we don't deserve to host and we're not going to and is resigned to that. And, and I, I think that's unfair because I definitely think they've done what they've done this year with the team they've had. They've earned a right to host. And so, but I, but to your question, like, I don't know. Georgia Tech was the number three overall. And no one team. saw that like, coming. What was their RPI? Our Georgia Tech's RPI was eighth, but eighth. The, but they 1911 against Q1, number 12 non-conference strength of schedule. It's just, when you look at all these other teams that got this bump over right. RPI, their resumes are like identical to Oregon State's with the metrics. That's why I'm so confused right. at the 16 seed. And that's where you go like, you don't know what are they, because you even said it when Georgia Tech was, was yeah. the number three seed. That could bode really well for Oregon State. I thought you it would. You said that when we saw the, the top yeah. four seeds, like holy smokes, if they're going to go off of these metrics that that benefit and and pump up Oregon State then that's good they sh they could maybe still be a a 12 or an 11 if you if you're looking at some of those and just throw that RPI kind of out so yeah I mean in the current form point is certainly fair Oregon State only five and eight overall in the last 13 games everyone has been watching certainly their their quality of play overall in the last month or so maybe hasn't been quite as high there have been moments here and there but it's particularly also from an offensive perspective they struggled but yeah you look at Ole Miss sure they got a little bit hot in the SEC tournament one foot went four and two overall but they they were playing against a lot of teams like an Arkansas that, that weren't even they were resting a lot of their main guys because yeah. they already knew their seating I mean that 
tournament was so much more important for Ole Miss. And then you look back, Ole Miss just got slaughtered against Tennessee, played really poorly in a couple other series down the stretch. Ole Miss, Ole Miss was was at completely fading. I think at one point some people thought Ole Miss might be a bubble team. And then the next thing you know, Ole Miss is number, number 12. 12. I, I mean, I don't want to pick too much of Ole Miss because, I mean, there are things to like about Ole Miss's resume. The 20 Q1 wins, I mean, that is very substantial. But it's just – I really just – I. I don't get it. It's really bizarre. It really is to me. I don't understand. And I think we probably can say this every single year on Tuesday after Memorial Day. Like, what did we just see? Like, some of that makes sense. Yeah. And others of it doesn't. And I don't, that's the hardest part of all of these is that there is no clear cut. This is how we're going to, this is what we're going to base things off of. Yeah. It's kind of like we're going to sit in a room and we're going to discuss it all and merit. And then the eye test, I think, plays a part. And granted, you can look at like yeah, you beat an Arkansas. I don't I don't know who Ole Miss. Ole Miss. They were up seven nothing on Vandy in the championship game, and then they gave up a bunch of runs yeah. after that. So I mean, you know, you can look at some of that like oh, they were at that point. If they would have, you know, if maybe if they would have won the SEC tournament title, you know, then I can understand getting up to maybe that level. But you know, it's it's just a, such a difficult thing to to give a one really good concise reason as to why I mean, there are 12 and Oregon If you look back at Ole Miss's resume, the one, the only thing that I can see on here that just jumps off the page to me is back in late March Ole Miss went on the road and took two or three from Arkansas. Now that is very impressive, 100%. That was also two months ago. So I, it's just, it really is tricky. And that's the thing where you go like, you build your resume all up to the end of the season and then I mean, who was it that got in that was it TCU that got in that everybody that is, else is kind of like what we can about? talk like, about? Yeah, wow, I don't know, even know. Compared to some <laughs> other things, like well, they're getting healthy. Well, so what? Don't you have to do stuff for an entire year? That's why they I, also just lost one of their key pitchers for the rest <laughs> of the season. I don't know what that argue that and, argument. And that's was about. where I go. Like, yes, I think there is merit into how you finish a season and what you do, but at the same time, should the last five games of a season, turn conference tournament, regular season, all that put together, dictate what you did for ninety? 85, 90% of the rest of the year. I, I don't know. think that should happen. But unfortunately, I think it happens in a lot of, you know, these, you know, brackets that you get, both men's and women's tournaments yeah. and stuff. It's like, well, what have you done for me lately? And if you're playing well, we want to reward that. I mean, what if you play great early in the year and you get some big wins there? Are those all of a sudden nullified because now it's the end of the year? Or if one of those teams that you beat at the beginning of the year was really good at the time, suffered an injury, and now they're middle of the road, you get less credit for that. I mean, you got to look at the whole thing and yeah. when you play people and what, you, what you're playing for, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, the selection show overall was kind of an interesting experience on Sunday because we get there early, obviously. Monday. Or whatever. <laughs> we the don't days, know what day of the week it is. I, the days have <laughs> completely run down. We learned about the regionals <laughs> on, on Sunday. Sunday. It's been a long you few days. You were just day. enjoying the beach, It's been Bob, a long few on. days, people. <laughs> anyway, uh, Monday morning for the selection show, uh, they obviously reveal all the top eight seeds. We knew Oregon State wasn't going to be one of those. And then they just quickly flashed up <laughs> the 9 through 16. It was like, whoa, Oregon State's 16. And then we also knew right off the bat we were going to get to find <laughs> out who was in the Corvallis Super or the Corvallis Regional. And we also learned, oh, boy, the Oregon State would draw potentially UCLA in the Super Regionals, and it seemed kind of like that was all anyone really wanted to talk about in the aftermath. It wasn't even the fact that the Beavers were seated 16th. It was just the fact that they were opposite UCLA, uh, you know, a Pac-12 team that's been ranked basically number one the entire season. I guess, Steve, what were your kind of thoughts on the selection committee setting up, you know, not just Oregon State and UCLA, so many interconference Super Regional matchups. We saw it with the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC. We have a bunch of these this year. Yeah, so there's a couple of thoughts. One, a lot of the stuff, and you look in the regionals, um, how how it's 
all kind of location based in a lot of ways. Um, it, it's it's not so much that way in the the basketball tournaments because you can go in different ways, but because of that. Um, they, they just have always done it. it happens in softball sometimes too where you get those teams that are close to home you know you do allow fans to travel there is it sometimes fair to those top seeds that host against a team that's pretty good that's close by that may not be at that they may be like the best two with the best one I mean that's not the case this year but sometimes you could have the best two and the best one playing in the same regional it should be the the worst one the 16 plays the best two and you get the best two seed out and Creighton is, Creighton's Creighton is two definitely seed. not the so second be- the, the best that two helps Oregon state in that regard you know matching up some of these things there's there's two lines thought one is that you hurt conferences from getting teams into the college world series the other is it helps the conferences get teams into the college world series because if you got two conferences one's going to get in so you know you're going to have one so it could be limiting the number of teams from one conference which you know who wants to see maybe six sec teams and a pac-12 team and a big 12 team potentially in the, I mean, because then, then the SEC gets six top eight seeds. Uh, four, four top eight four, seeds and three, four. and I will say three of the four finalists last year were SEC right. teams. I mean, the SEC, uh, we're we're not here saying the, the SEC. The SEC, no. the SEC is the best baseball conference, top to bottom. We all agree with that. But the thing, I mean, the top of the Pac-12 can compete with the top of the SEC. We see it every single year. Yep. So that's just how it is. Yeah. So I, you know, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing, and then it cuts down some travel and some stuff. I, I mean, I'm guessing cost. it's you know the cost of everything. I mean, we got to remember it's um, there's cost plays a part in everything in college athletics these days. Yeah, I mean, with the teams coming out to Corvallis with Cincinnati, Michigan, and Creighton, it'll be interesting to see how many different of those teams are on the same charter flight. We've seen that before. I mean, you know, last year it was weird. Northwestern State and LSU, you thought that was a slam dunk. Something ended up happening, and they weren't actually on the same flight. So it's interesting. But, you know, Pat Bailey, I guess we talked with him right after, he didn't seem necessarily super thrilled with this matchup and then, you know, or the I should say potential matchup because because you know UCLA might get upset and Oregon State easily could, but and just from talking to Pat Casey in the past, he's also really hated just seeing whenever West Coast teams are stacked up against each other, and it's just it's frustrating because. You know, when, when you look at maybe the top West Coast teams from the Pac-12, you know, they often don't get harmed by the RPI. Oregon State last year was the number seven RPI in the postseason, still got the number three national seed. We saw Cal and Arizona State with, like, mid-30s RPI. They got two seeds this year. But where, where we really do see it harm is when you have, like, UC Irvine and BYU, two really good um, Big West and uh, West Coast Conference, respectively. BYU was the comp- uh, regular season champion. UC Irvine placed second. Well, they didn't win in their tournaments and they got left out and those and those teams are incredibly strong and then when you look at a florida or a tcu with i'm sorry atrocious resumes with absolutely nothing of substance on them other than they played a bunch of other high rpi teams because they play in a better conference i just i can't stand when i see that and you then you look at stanford's regional and you see ucsb which was a host candidate all season you see fresno state arguably maybe one of the five best teams out west if you're not aware fresno state is that good and then you see sacramento state i believe is number four seed another conference champion i just i don't like when we see this i get why it happens we see it throughout the south too a lot of those regionals are stacked with mid-majors from the same area but they're just more of those teams and just it's really unfair to stanford it's unfair to ucsb it's unfair to fresno state and it's really unfair to byu and uc irvine that didn't even get a chance at all it just it it really does bug me it really does and west coast baseball if you you know want to put it in that general sense has been very very good and has made you know huge 
what is it? You know, nine of the last 15, 15 national yeah. champions are you from know? out West. And so it's like the West can play good baseball, but it's not being able to be seen so much. I mean, I'm okay if you're going to if you're going to stack the the regionals on the West Coast with West Coast teams. I can understand some of that, but then you got to let these other teams that are on the bubble give them a chance to go back east, even if they got to go back. Give them a chance because you never know. Great. Where where did Washington go to the regional last year? Uh, they were it was a, I think it was Greenville, North yeah, Carolina, Greenville. or so, South you know, Carolina, sent Washington, yeah. where, wherever they, yeah. they went all, all the way southeast and played in one, and they they played Fullerton in the. And no. that was and that was only because Fuller, they yeah they played Fullerton but Fullerton once again Fullerton got stuffed up to Stanford just like it seems like always happens and Fullerton beat Stanford why couldn't Fullerton have been sent out there because guess what Cal State Fullerton probably would have won one of those Southern regionals too the West is loaded yeah and you know that gives the West more opportunities because you could say like oh well your fans are here so you can come it's easier for your fans in the regionals I get that I get that but I want to see a more I, I would really love to see them go and seed one through sixteen at least go one through sixteen. And then 17 through 32 and reverse those. Just try it once and yeah. see what the costs are. See all those things and see how how competitive those regionals really are. Is if you're the one seed, you should be getting the worst two seed. You should be. And then it's Which, by the way, Oregon State. harder to go threes and fours, so I get you yeah. might want to keep some of those closer to there. Um, but I think that the teams that are ones and twos ought to be competing against a team that it's earned the right to compete against. I completely agree. And we've seen Oregon State, I think, the last couple of years has gotten really, really good regional draws with that. But then you look this year, Miami, which was one of is certainly the last candidates for that host spot, they're stuffed at a national seed in Mississippi State. I just, I really don't understand it. It, it. it needs to change. And I get, like, who wants to send Miami all the way out to Corvallis for, yeah. you know, for that. But, I mean, it, that's probably what they deserved. And therefore, they probably have a better chance or NC State coming out or UCSB, here yeah. than going to Mississippi State to to get through a regional, you know, and then advance to a super, and then you you go wherever. I mean, shoot, then they would just go straight down to UCLA, and they I could know. just stay here and fly to fly to LA, and then, you know, um, that's where I, I mean, I would really love to see that transpire here in the near future. I think the sports gotten to a point where it's earned the right to really crown the allow the best teams the best opportunities mm -hmm. to get um, into a super regional and then into a college world series appearance no i agree i'm too fired up we need to take a quick break we'll be right back want to grow your money and avoid pitfalls in financial planning check out chuck price and investing simplified find it and other shows on the that cast network thatcast.com from Guild Coliseum to Reeser Stadium, it's the Beaver Buzz with Bob Lundeberg. Okay, well, we should actually probably talk a teeny little bit about the teams that are actually going to be uh, in Corvallis playing, potentially facing Oregon State this weekend. And I'll be honest with you, Steve, um, I've definitely not sat down and researched Creighton, Michigan, and Cincinnati that extensively yet, but I'll go through a couple of the basics here I'll real quick. I'll tell you the one thing I know. Was that Creighton is the Blue Jays? That's it's true. all one word with a lowercase J. It's all one word. Yeah. So we have a Nevada Wolfpack situation. Yeah. Huh? It's Blue Jays. Wow. With the, with the lowercase J. I looked on their website. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I saw. I don't know. I was really tired yesterday. It's definitely Blue Jays, right? Yeah. The two words. It's two words into one. It's just all one word. So is it Wolver Space Eans with a capital I? Are we, or is that two? Is that two <laughs> words then? 
Bear cat is bear bear cats is that bear one or two? Is one word. <laughs> okay. I looked at. I know. I had to do all that. That's why I was looking. I so we have the, beavers, blue jays, wolverines, and bear cats. That yeah, is a we, we got, got some zoo. animals going on here. <laughs> the zoo, the Corrales Regional, is known as the zoo. <laughs> hey, we should start doing that. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the zoo. <laughs> Welcome to the zoo. <laughs> Starting, we'll start with uh, Cincinnati then, which obviously number four seed, and uh, will be Oregon State's first round opponent, 7 p.m. Friday. Um, as is really common with you know a lot of northern teams, we've seen this with Oregon State in the past. Uh, the Bearcats got off to a really tough just start overall, but played a lot better down the stretch. Actually, and actually, Cincinnati won four games in six days at the American Athletic Conference tournament to steal a postseason bid, possibly from UC Irvine or BYU or one of those teams. Uh, the the Bearcats, if you look at the stats, pretty uh, pretty middling offensive team overall, but they do have a, a couple decent arms. Um, I guess Oregon State's probably going to see uh, righty David Order or Orndorff. Easy for you to say. Orndorff. Sorry, sorry, Paul David. Orndorf's or uh, freshman lefty Evan Shaver. Both of those uh, guys actually have pretty, pretty overall decent numbers. So I think they can maybe give the Beavers a little bit of trouble, depending on what what offensive team shows up. And then looking at, let's see, Cincinnati. Sorry, clicked over to the wrong one. We're doing it live here. Uh, Cincinnati is just thirty and twenty nine overall, but uh, they are hot and they have you know made it to the NCAA tournament. So Oregon State certainly first time in like first time since nineteen seventy four. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm sure that Oregon State's going to be taking them seriously. Pat Bailey really you know wants to make, focus one game at a time on every opponent, and we have seen what number number four seeds have given the Beavers trouble in the past, right? You know, if you're going to make the NCAA tournament, whatever way, shape, or form, you you've probably won either your conference or your conference tournament, which means you've got at least one or two guys that can throw. You got arms that can get you through a game and can do stuff. That's how you win. Mm -hmm. So you match up and it, on any given night. Yeah, I've seen some four seeds give Oregon State, you know, some trouble um, blanking on all the names now. But 14, I remember was it South Dakota State. Or South Dakota. Like I was gonna say North Dakota State. It was one of Sorry, those guys. ones. Bison. Um, yeah, that would be North Jack Dakota Rabbits? State. Yeah, the Jack. North Rabbits. Dakota State. I yeah, think. that's that's the Bison. South Dakota State, the Jacker. I know those, but I can't remember Some who it was. But, right but I remember, yeah, I remember. I mean, Dylan Davis doubled in the yeah. ninth or in the bottom of the eighth or the ninth, ninth inning or whatever to walk. I remember, but they had to come back in their they last, did. you know, at they were down to win that game. You know, and that's a team that I believe went on to the you know College World Series. So, I mean, it, you've got to come out, and that's why I always say you got to throw your best in the first game because you're going to go against the other team's best. Mm -hmm. And then you see how it works. I mean, if you if you play around and you mess up with the the rotation, I, I've seen this. I remember I remember in high school. This was Legion baseball. I remember a friend of mine coached a team, and he goes, "I'm not throwing my number one guy in the first game of the tournament because we're going to save him for the second one." They lost the first game of the tournament and threw the guy the second game, but they were had to come out of the winners bracket. They couldn't do it. They were out like yeah. in three games. So never ever ever look past an opponent at, you know, at no. this level because they're good enough to win a game. And you mentioned it. What's the offense going to be like? This is an offense that's been shot out two of the last three games. So... <laughs> yeah, you know. no. It, it, is, it is very interesting. That's why I guess... I was going to maybe save and ask you this later. What, what, what is your guess for the rotation this weekend? Because I think I, I really I think it's going to be Femmel and then Gambrell and then Pierce, and it'll be really huge. Brandon Eisert is expected to be back, probably going to be out of the bullpen. I highly doubt we see him start a game. And then really with that Femmel, Gambrell, Pierce, I think that sets you up pretty well. Do you think it could potentially be a different order? I mean, that, that's what no, I would guess. I mean, I would go Femmel, Gambrell, because the other reason is Gambrell will have been on his full – Yep. week rest because they played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. So everybody, you know, Fimmel will get an extra day of rest because he threw Thursday, he'll pitch Friday. And then I think you got to go with your next best guy 
And right now that's Gambrell, you know, and he had he took what three series off, two series off, two series two off, series three off, basically three full weeks off. Yeah, and and he's looked and he's looked very good since coming back. Yeah, you know, he's looked fantastic, and I think you know having him in that that number two spot, um, I, I that's what I would go with. He's gonna be on full rest. Go and then I think when you get to that game three because now it's your championship game, you can throw Dylan Pierce. You got Icer coming out of the pen. You got Mulholland. You got mm-hmm. other guys. You got um, Finnings and Finnigs. I was going to throw an in in there, um, and and Munt even too. You got guys that can come out of the pen and give you an ending or two to get yeah. you through it. So even if you go Pierce and he goes five, you got guys in the pen, especially if those first two guys can get you deep and you don't tax your bullpen. And if you don't, maybe maybe Pierce goes. Even if you lose that one, you come back with the next one. You got all those guys to throw two innings. You know, you they don't have that number four guy that you feel like is going to go out there and do that, which. You know, when you get in the loser brackets, you got to do that. In 2014, they did. They had at least Scott Schultz to pitch the fourth game, but then who pitches the fifth game? So Jake the key Thompson. is win the first two. Yeah, you know, and he was a freshman at that and time. He pitched pretty he well. He pitched exceptionally well. They just couldn't. They, they, their their struggles offensively at the end of the year caught up with them in that game, um, and they just weren't able to do much. But yeah, I mean Thompson, but some surprise guy, which you know the Beavers have talented arms that you could find a surprise guy, but it makes it more difficult. Win the first two, they got a good chance. I like how, however, their pitching sets up, but mm-hmm. if, I, I would go Fimmel Gambrell. Moving on, I'll uh, read off a little bit of stats here from a couple of the other teams. Creighton and uh, Michigan, obviously. And the Blue Jays, all one word, <laughs> much more of an offensive club, hitting 293 as a team with 60 home runs. So definitely they can they can hit the long ball and also hit for average. Junior first baseman, Jake Holton, he's definitely the guy to worry about, uh, hitting 405 with 14 home runs. Michigan is definitely the second-best pitching team in this regional behind Oregon State. Lefty Tommy Henry, he's, he's one of the better uh, pitching draft prospects prospects in the entire country and I think he's probably going to throw that second game uh, Michigan has a couple other good stars as well so I think Michigan probably is entering this thing thinking they can quote unquote save Henry even though Henry is not typically their Friday night guy anyway so I guess w- with all this information then Steve what do you kind of put Oregon State's odds at advancing out of this regional because I think about it's like maybe roughly three quarters of regional hosts if you look back at the 20 years or so of data uh, tend to advance but if you look at last year eight of the 16 regional hosts fell and i'd probably put oregon state's odds right about right there at about the 50 50 percent because michigan if i look at those guys i think they've got the pitching to come out of this regional creighton is red hot won a bunch of games in a row and can swing it and oregon state i'm just i'm not exactly sure what oregon state team's going to show up um, it's all going to depend on what they do hitting wise. I know Pat Casey said this one time. It's all about pitching and defense, and how many and whatever your office does. He says that means, about ten just, times a year. Just means that's how much you win by. Yeah, that's <laughs> one know? of his. Fa- that's so, one of his favorites. Um, you know, I mean, I think of that here where it's like the pitching is so good. I think they're second nationally second, in ERA. In, in you know, so as long as the pitching does in the defense, I mean, I didn't look up the stats, but Pat Bailey said it yesterday. It's like the the best. Uh, fielding percentage, yeah, in nine his seven nine, and, and really they they field actually even better than that. They've had some weird, bizarre errors yeah. mixed in there. Their their true fielding percentage is honestly much better, right? Than that. And so you know you figure if that plays to form, you know games could be two to one, and and if they don't get the offense going, so I mean they could lose or win, you know. So it really does depend on if those guys can get going again, and they can you know 
and take advantage. We talked about situational hitting. I mean, what three times in the game on Saturday, the finale, you know, they had runner at third with one out and failed to score. Oh, for 11 with runners in scoring yeah, position. You know, one for 16 like, with runners on base. I mean, that's just not going to get you out of regional. So if the offense can come together, and we've seen it happen this year, we've mm-hmm. seen them hit the ball well against um, good pitching. Against, yeah, some pretty good pitching, um, then they can do it. I don't know. It meant it, baseball is a mental, mental sport, and it's, I don't know where their heads are at. I mean, it's hard. You can say all the right things, but man, when you're when you're struggling, it can be it can be tough, and and so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But that, I mean, I, I you know, it depends on if the Michigan dude, the stud, can if he goes the second game and they play Oregon State. If, if Michigan gets that, then I think they're going to Oregon State's going to struggle to come back and win three straight yeah. to get out. So um, if Oregon State wins the first two, I think they sh- should be able to get out of the regional. But if they lose one of those first two, it's going to be difficult. You know, you already mentioned 2014, and I had someone on Twitter a couple days ago reach out to me comparing this team and saying this team reminds me of the 2014 group with, you know, elite pitching, really strong defense, and up and down offense, you know, with an elite centerpiece player, Michael Conforto back then, Adley Rutschman now. I think if you look at it, in fairness, the 2014 team probably had more off overall offensive talent, and those guys also won a lot more games, which is, you know, obviously the reason why they were seeded number one overall, much higher yeah. than this team. But, but you know, the, the 2014 team also sputtered a little bit down the stretch and actually entered the tournament losing a bad series to USC. Yep. And you, you certainly, you covered the 2014 team uh, that lost at home to UC Irvine in the Corvallis Regional. Do you see those similarities? Is that fair or is that too much of a reach? I mean, there is some similarities to it. I mean, that team was completely different than this year's team. This year's team is really inexperienced yeah, from that's a, a playing point. standpoint. And I think that that is part of the reason why they've hit kind of the yeah. 40. I mean, you look about play 40 games, you kind of hit a wall when you're not used to playing 40 games. And I think that happened to some of the young guys. You look at Joe Casey was hitting the cover off the baseball, then he sputtered. Ryan Ober was having a really strong year, then he struggled. You know, and, and not to pick on those two, there's other guys too. It's just kind of done that. And then you, you know, Bo Phillip was out for part of the game, came back in, so they've, they've done some of that adjustment too to things. And so I think the lineup's been all up and down all over the place. So I think some of that just is inherently difficult to get comfortable I mean, the 2014 team, I mean, it all happened when Ben Wetzler had to sit out and go from the Friday guy to the Sunday guy, and then Andy Peterson got hurt in a dog pile. I believe yeah. it was Andy Peterson got hurt. So that threw some stuff out. Just a little bit of things at the end, and they played so well. They reached their peak well before the postseason, and they were on a little bit of a downturn. Um, but way more talent on that team, um, not not knocking this year's team. Obviously, if you just look at the guys that were on that team, and when you have a pitching staff that's Ben Wetzler, Jace Fry, and Andrew Moore, yeah, uh, and Scott Schultz was a guy that was in the pen a lot, but he could come and throw he yeah. throw a full game, you know, complete game, and which he did in that fourth game of the the regional, um, you know, there. But I mean, similar in that they were playing really well and ranked high. I mean, this team that that team stayed ranked high because they mm-hmm. just you know annihilated some teams early, but they did struggle offensively. I think they don't think that team struggled as much as this team is kind of struggling right now. Um, but, yeah, very similar in that regard. I don't think you were on the beat all the way back in 2011, right? But if you, in terms of just pure statistics, 
uh, you can really see a lot of similarities between the 2011 team and this team. Uh, again, same type of formula, really good mm-hmm. pitching, pretty middling offense. And that team, e- even more so than this one, really limped its way into the postseason and could have easily been the last regional host. They didn't seed it back then, but just with the way things bet, I-, I-, I have to imagine Oregon State was the last or second to last. But, you know, the Beavers, we saw them back then in 2011. They bounced back, and they were able to win that Corvallis Regional with went perfect 3-0. and uh, So I-, I can't say – I mean, I could definitely – see that happening again mm-hmm. this weekend just because again with with uh bryce femmel with grant gambrell with dylan pierce with the slew of guys they've got in the pen i, I think oregon state can pitch just a, a basically a level other than ucla with any other team in the entire country and we know the defense is going to be there it's just a matter of how much offense are we going to see from the beavers i mean it might see it just enough to win might see uh, not enough and they'll lose i guess we'll just you don't really know but i, I do think the formula is there for oregon state to i mean not only just win the regional i think they could go three and oh i think that's definitely a possibility oh i, I agree 100 percent. it's just going to be a matter of you know what they can do offensively if they get something going the the thing that you really want to see is for them to come out get some runs on the board yeah, early score a couple against, runs. against cincinnati kind of you know just get that mojo back get that back in the groove because you know everybody says hitting is contagious and so if a couple guys get on they score some runs they put some pressure on cincinnati and they can continue to do that that's going to be really good for their confidence level. And you're right. I mean, they can, if they can get that going, you know, they're not going to give up more than three or four runs in a game. Probably Um, not, you know, most likely. And so if you can score five, you know, if they can score five a game, I expect them to come out of this regional. Well, regional week, got any special projects, anything you're working on, you want to plug, (laughs) just doing regular, regular regional preview coverage. Yeah, There's nothing. I'm on day day 15 in a row. So I'm going to get through today and take tomorrow (laughs) off and then figure out what we're doing. Why didn't you take Sunday off like the rest of us? You had to do pages? I had to put paper out. Oh man. I wrote up high school. We got three teams in the high school state baseball and softball playoff semifinals today. So name them, uh, West Albany. For baseball and softball, so oh, that's wow. pretty exciting. And Sandium Christian baseball Go in the three, yeah, and so, Eagles, yeah. So uh, could be, could be, we could have a couple of state championship games this weekend. So we'll, that's going to dictate some of what we do and who does what. So I'm not even sure what I'm doing yet this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at Goss for something, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just do like I said the earlier games, and Jesse can do the Oregon State games because maybe he'll have more luck for Beaver Nation. Yeah, I, I was going to say Oregon State fans might not mind if uh, Jesse So is at the ballpark instead of you. Then no, and that'd be fine because I could do the earlier game. And I could go home earlier. <laughs> oh, that's great. Steve, thanks so much uh, for coming back on the show. I guess if it all works out, then we might be sitting next to each other in press row. If not, uh, maybe some other time. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Beaver Buzz podcast, part of the ThatCast podcast network. As always, guys, please subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, regardless of what happens this weekend, I will be back with another show next week. It'll either be a super regional preview or a season recap. And I think I know uh, which show you guys would rather hear. So enjoy the baseball this weekend, and thanks again for listening. Discover the growing lineup of ThatCast Network podcasts and videocasts at thatcast.com.